Welcome to another episode of, of Balls. I want to talk about some some wacky uh, aspects happening so far in the NBA this season. Um, and not necessarily surprise teams, but but things we were just flat out wrong about. Um, and there's a couple of nuances here. So the first thing is, I'll talk about a couple of teams. So the positive, Golden State, which everyone's been talking about. I know it's not like an original thought. But there's still like a question, right? Of like, why is Golden State doing so well? And you think about last year, they're a playing team. Now, granted, Curry got hurt a little bit last year, but that wouldn't be the difference. Clay Thomas isn't back yet, right? Now, Wiggins has acclimated himself. I think people realize he's a very strong defender. Um, but but what is it in totality that's making Golden State go from, let's say, a fringe playoff team last year to? Potentially the lead in the West, the favorites maybe now to win it all. I mean, Stephen A. Smith called them the favorites already. Um, and like, look, you can attribute a decent amount to an easy schedule. They played nine of the first 12 at home. They have road games coming up. Uh, Curry's playing out of his mind. Is that sustainable at this stage of his career? So far it is, but we shall see. There's a couple of factors here. Here's the truth, right? The Golden State Warriors makeup this season is a prime example, based on uh, Jonah Carey's book, even though it's baseball-related, about the extra 2%. These little incremental improvements add up, and I'll explain all of them, right? So there's a bunch. Um, So first off, let's look at the starting lineup, right? They're playing Kevon Looney a ton of minutes that Weissman was playing last year. Now, granted, you got to play Weissman's number two pick. Well, Weissman as a rookie, and with most rookies, uh, there's a learning curve, right? And it's pretty rare, I mean, with some rookies, but with a lot of rookies, you get actually a negative, you know, you get a negative from them in the beginning years. Kevin Durant, his rookie year, shot like 42% from the field. People don't remember this, but like the Seattle, the then Seattle Sonics were actually a negative with KD on the court. But look, they knew this guy's a ridiculous talent. He's got to get shots up. He's going to eventually get efficient, and he's going to be an incredible player. And you got to ride that out, right? Now that ride is long. Like, how, how long are you willing to stomach the bleeding, basically, right? So sometimes, if your team is strong enough, veteran-wise, you could kind of make up for developing one or two guys, right? And Weissman. Uh, could be an example of a guy you, you look to develop if you have four veterans around him. Plus, he's a center. You know, how much does it impact? But the truth is, Weissman impacted a lot. Negatively, I mean. You know, his rookie year, he was lost defensively. Um, offensively, I think he, he thought he was going to get more ISO situations. He wasn't. More post situations. The NBA is moving away from that. And basically was relegated to just like a, a, a lob threat in the pick and roll. But without Weissman in there, the flip from Weissman to Looney is massive. So Looney uh, comes with less athletic ability, okay? Maybe a stronger blue-collar work ethic, whatever you want to call it. He's a far better rebounder. He's a smarter rebounder, better defender, which is the most important thing, and knows what to do offensively, doesn't do too much. That's a big thing. Because in basketball, what you don't want is a lot of players who um, can kind of do ABC, but they lack self-awareness. They think they can kill it with ABC. Then they have sort of... A and Weissman was a, was a um, a culprit of this, a big variation of self confidence. 
So Weissman was a guy who, uh, when things were going well, had immense self-confidence, but almost too much, right? Like, if you get a couple of jump shots, he's taking, you know, a couple more bad shots, and, and then you got to live with that, which isn't great. And then on the flip, if he misses a couple of row or whatever, his confidence did drop, and it impacted his play. So Looney's got his head together. He knows what he is. That's a big flip, going from Weissman to Looney. I know it sounds silly, but it's the case. The second thing incremental improvement is um, all the veteran signings. I mean, Golden State hit on every min minimal level kind of midi, you know, low level signing. Particularly Otto Porter Jr. and Namana Bialica. So Bialica was kind of a journeyman in his career. You know, hung around Minnesota, Sacramento. Uh, was almost involved in a deal with uh, the Kings for Kuzma was always underrated everywhere he went. He never put up big numbers, but he's a big who can space a bit, good passer, great help defender, and just a high IQ basketball player. Um, and he never got credit for it. So Gold State, he knows exactly where to be, exactly how to fit with the system. Great, great signing. Otto Porter Jr. Always had positive win shares for 48 throughout his career. Again, he's a lengthy wing who could play, or defend rather, two through four. He can hit open shots. He could. He knows to find cutting lanes. Again, very underrated. And that was a great pickup. And then Andre Iguodala, likewise. Now, Iguodala, they kind of got fool's gold with. I don't think people saw this from him. But uh, Iggy looked like he was deteriorating, you know, from his last stint in Golden State. Kind of was getting worse and worse. Miami getting a little worse. You know, Memphis, Miami. And then, uh, obviously, he's resurrected, I think, because he's got the chemistry with Golden State which is hugely helpful. So they hit on uh, all the minimum signings, which is really big. And last year they did it. The Brad Wanamakers of the world, you know, not not going to get it done. And then obviously, you know, uh, Tuscana Anderson has been a nice little surprise as well, which was last year, but, you know, that rolls out to this year. The third thing is they, they've realized what, where resources to develop and which guys actually have a chance to be good role players. And the NBA, it's not binary. This is the other thing. Like, a lot of teams look at uh, some of the youth, and they're like, either they're going to be, and the Celtics fall uh, culprit of this, either they're going to be an all-star or they're bench warmers. And that's how they treat a lot of the rookies that they bring up. So as an example, like the Celtics are treating that way with Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Naismith. Those two guys may not be all-stars, but they're going to be really good role players, but they're cut in rotation for veterans because they're not showing the progress to be all-stars yet, which is unfortunate. With Golden State, they, they nailed down Jordan Poole um, and Damian Lee. They didn't overdo it because they didn't keep Eric Pascal, right? They realized we can't develop everybody, so they let Pascal walk, which was a smart move. He's in Utah now, um, and they saved their cap, and they're like, Damian Lee's got makes sense with our veterans. He's got a chance to be in an eight, nine man playoff rotation. Cause he's a wing that could defend and shoot a little bit. And then Jordan Poole is a big guard who could sub in for Curry a little bit and then take off the scoring load. And, and they hit on hit. And this is big. They picked the right guys to increase minutes. in, And this is a difficult task. They could have rushed Weissman back. They didn't. They could have played their two other rookies, Moody and Kuzminga. Right, who they haven't, and they realize Moody and Kuzminga aren't ready. Now, look, that's the knock, that's the negative on Golden State right now, is that 
the value of Kuzminga and Moody probably aren't great. And the question is going to be, when are you going to play them? When are you willing to bleed to develop the, that talent? And it may be never, in which case they probably want to move them at the deadline if they feel like they can make a run. For who? Who knows yet? But that's a separate thing. So those are the things that Golden State hit on, right? It was basically the Looney Weissman flip, realizing, okay, we gotta, if we're gonna win, we gotta play a veteran over a, a second pick, which is uh, not a gamble, but it's sort of like a a big pivot, if you will, hitting on the minimum deals, all of them, and then uh, developing the right youth and putting the right youth in rotation. And Clay's not even back yet, so that's a big thing. The other big thing I wanted to talk about is Cleveland. Cleveland is running a really funky lineup. The NBA, I mean, like, I, I love quoting Isaiah Thomas, right, on this because it's funny. But Isaiah Thomas signed Zach Randolph, or that signed, traded for Zach Randolph, and did a, a sign-and-trade with Eddie Curry. His big thing that, that uh, said, you know, the NBA is trying to go small. We're going to go big. That's all fine and dandy, but not with two post picks, right? And then there's been a slow decline of the center, obviously, in the last five, ten years. Um, into a, a really steep decline where, you know, Cleveland was able to pick up probably one of the best players of the draft at three. And most years, Mobley, back in the day, probably goes one because the, the need of centers, now it's not as big of a need. And then, you know, look, I questioned it. They signed Jared Allen to five years, $100 million when I felt I would have overpaid for a spacing wing to make the lineup more sensible. And it was not a sensible lineup. And then they and then they triple down and then do a sign and trade to get Laurie Marketing. So now you have, you look at the team, you're like, and then they still have Kevin Love. So you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And by the way, Dean Wade, let's not sneeze at him. So you have four or five bigs that need minutes. How is this going to happen? So what Cleveland realizes, like, look, there's a difference between offense and defense. Here's what I mean by that. Is... People in the NBA are focused so heavily on positions, which, you know, they moved away from a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I still think there's, like, basically two, three positions, which is a big, a wing, and a handler. And I feel a lot of handlers – I'm sorry, a lot of wings could be handlers. And I'd rather just have two positions, bigs and wings, and just – I don't even need handlers. I'd rather just get size there. But, but no, what they, what they realized – is that if my bigs that I have are flexible defensively, then as long as on defense, if they can cover ground and cover one through five, who cares what I'm doing on offense? So defensively, guys like Mobley and Allen just have an insane amount of arm length, right? And it shows in Cleveland's numbers, but they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. So they have talent that's going to stop players at the rim, and they have talent that's going to... Um, Minimize the gaps and minimize open shots at the perimeter between Allen and Mobley. They have that flexibility. And there's other guys in the league like that. You know, Mitchell Robinson, Robert Williams, um, other guys who, dare I say, might be considered uh, big men, but can actually, but actually have really interesting defensive flexibility. And Cleveland, Cleveland hit on that. And then offensively, it's not such a problem. So you're offensively like, okay, great. So these two lengthy bigs make up for the rest of my lineup because they're so good defensively, right? Or the NBA was actually also gearing the other way where, like, you needed all five guys to be somewhat strong on defense lest you have a weak matchup and it's exploited. 
So even guys like Duncan Robinson, you saw with Kemba Walker in the playoffs, teams would pick on those matchups. And and that's how they would exploit teams. But now if you have Mobley and Allen running all over the place, um, it's actually uh, more beneficial to have some length there. And then for the rest of the team, they just need guys that can create a little offense. So the question is, do they have enough offense? But right now the answer is kind of yes. It's kind of yes. Okay? They have... You know, Garland has been great. they got to move Sexton at some point. But they basically have Garland... You know, Akaro is uh, still finding his way a little bit, I would say. Um, but Laurie Markkinen is producing offense... You know, and um, Dean Wade even. So they do have offensive talent come out with that defense that keeps them in games. So they're getting there. But but bottom line, it's not even about the rest of the team. It's this, like, this Jared Allen, um, Evan Mobley tandem is, uh, is quite good. And I got to say... I did not see that. That's a big surprise for me. Um, you know, other surprises around the league, you know, obviously, the, the, I think there's teams not playing certain positions, which is fine. Like, you do see, like, uh, like I thought the Boston experience was going to work to an extent. Like, I, I said, I don't think you need a traditional point guard. Um, but I think what the Celtics are doing uh, could be fixed. My issue with them isn't that they don't have a traditional point guard per se, right? It's that I think they're, they're I don't think you know Marcus Smart should be that role. I think Josh Richardson should actually play that role. It should bring Smart off the bench and start Naismith. They got to figure out the rotation. They got to clean it up a little bit. Um, Detroit's another interesting one that they're just starting the five best players that they have, right? You don't have to start the five best guys. Um, I thought Houston was going to be a little better. They're they're off to a bad start. But, yeah, I, I think Cleveland really avant-garde. They're doing it totally differently. You know, they're zigging where everyone's zagging. That's a little money ball action. Did not expect that at all. Everyone in the league thought they had no idea what they're doing. And, like, look, it's a long season. So they still might not know what they're doing. It's still early. I get it. The other avant-garde team is going to be Toronto, where they just have a ton of length. And they were never bad. They always had a competitive team but drafted extremely well with Barnes. And they just have a team full of length. You don't want to play them in a playoff series. Um, but what the NBA is kind of turning out to, and we talked about this, is teams are closing the gap on talent. So, like, you know, a team that might have the shot of the ninth seed, let's say Toronto, honestly, in a seven-game series, could beat any team in the East, given the length and given the amount of people that could uh, explode in that series. So, overall, just a Real, real fascinating um, start to the season. Some really interesting patterns popping up. Uh, really just wacky behavior. And, um, you know, credit to the teams that just think outside the box, honestly. Like, it's 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 a fresher breath. It's a breath of fresh air. We haven't seen this kind of outside the box thinking since, you know, on defense in, in, in quite a while. <laughs> 